Okay. It's quite funny how um, two years ago I got these words. I knew God wanted me to speak. But over the last week, um, I feel he's prepared me even more because I've been to a leaders' conference um, on Friday and I met people who I have a passion to work with homeless people. And I met people at the conference who have got a real passion to help people. And it was just amazing to see their passion. And then yesterday, along with my flatmate Nicola and her parents, we went to something called the Life of Christ. And it was from the beginning when he was born right through to the crucifixion and when he ascended to heaven. And it was just amazing to see it all dramatized and just see how Jesus really did have a heart for the poor. And I just felt I really wanted to share that before I actually share what's on the paper. Um, So I was asked to to preach today on God and poverty, and I've really felt God speak to me over the last two years about speaking on the subject of poverty and on social justice. Two years ago, I started a course called The Academy within this church, within Newground, And I knew God wanted me to speak then. But it's always good to keep quiet and not say a word. And I didn't until March. Um, and obviously, as Steve said, he, he ha- had it from God as well. So it was kind of really encouraging. So I really felt God had given me a chance to speak what's on my heart. And he's given to me today to say what he wants to say. So poverty and God is a huge subject. It's got lots to cover that I won't be able to cover in one day, never mind one hour. So I'm going to cover the basics of a lot of my own experience in helping people who are homeless and what the Bible says on poverty and some of the history in how God's people have helped us come through difficult times. I've chosen three headings from my nursery nurse background. I've been a nursery nurse for about 20 years And the three headings are stop, look, and listen. These are important signs for children, and they're important for adults too. I thought it would be good to look at these on poverty, and through those signs, I'm going to take you on a whistle-stop tour of poverty and God. It's so important to take time to stop and actually look at what is going on in our world and around us in our society. Our culture tends to push the poor to the sidelines of society, to walk past and ignore the need. And yet, as God's people, we can be countercultural in the way we model God's heart for the poor, as we'll see in a moment. Poverty in the world is very real, with half the world's population living on just $2 a day, 13 billion living on $1.25 a day, and 815 million people don't have enough food to eat in the world. Here in the UK in 2017, records show that 14 million people live in poverty. That's over one of five of our population alone. This is out of 8 million adults, 4 million children, and 1.9 million pensioners. In Sutton, 45% of households are in temporary accommodation, and the poverty rate is 16.3%, the fourth largest in London. 
Saturn Night Watch, who meet on a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday, have 40 guests a night coming in for food, and that's in our own borough. But this is not just a modern issue. If we look at the Bible, poverty is mentioned 2,100 times. That's a lot of mentions for a book written 2,000 years ago and shows that poverty was a problem. On every page of the Bible, there is evidence of concern for the poor. From the beginning of the Bible, with the laws of the Old Testament, to the birth of Jesus and Jesus helping the poor. Everywhere in the Bible is God's love for the poor and desire for their justice in society. God has led me on a personal journey with this. I've always had a heart for helping people. I was brought up in the Salvation Army and I went there till I was about 19. It was started by William Booth in the Victorian times. He had a heart for the poor. And with being part of this church charity, I was given a heart for the poor. And God spoke to me from a young age through Isaiah 61, which I'll share later. We also used to sing a particular song which talks about how there are people hurting in the world. They need you, they need me, and they need Christ. This journey I've personally been on has meant that I've helped with a few things over the years. I've street pastored, I did some volunteering with Food Bank, and saw families with young children coming in because they had no food. I've also had some funny times. At the age of 18, when I was doing some help in Rains Park, I helped with a drop-in centre. Three men used to come on a regular basis, and they always came in drunk, um, and they were homeless. They came in this night particularly drunk. It was one of my first nights, and I knew one of them liked coffee before his dinner. I figured he needed a, a really strong coffee. I'd never really made coffee before, so I put six spoonfuls of coffee and three spoons of sugar in. He sobered up quite quickly, um, but and we did laugh about it, and I'm still in touch with the people who used to do it, and it still comes up occasionally as well. Um, they used to have a hot drink, a meal, and a small talk and some worship music sung by a girl in the church. The guys loved their Thursday nights. They'd just come into the centre and be part of an evening of fun. They could escape reality. Also, in the same church, I helped with a play scheme on a rough estate, again in Rains Park. Some of the children really suffered from poverty. <laughs> the whole families, and some of them came with no lunches, and we would share our lunch with them. One of the helpers um, on the same play scheme, the husband left them when we were there, and she again was really struggling with money, and we would share our lunches with her, but we'd also buy food, um, pack lunches, and we gave her money to help her out, and I still see her now, um, because I work quite locally to Rains Park. The age of 19, for various reasons, I turned my back on God and I moved away from the calling I felt that was on my life of working with the poor. But 10 years later, however, my whole family became Christians, which caused me again to look 
and see what the church and what God really was. I was very unsure of God, but I figured I wanted to know him for myself. So I'd go to church, but I wouldn't commit until I knew God was there. And in my bedroom at three o'clock in the morning, after a good night out, I committed my life back to God. And with my passion, with it, my passion slowly came back for the poor and to help people. Very early on, someone gave me a word from God around that time that I needed to go back on the streets and help people. So I became a street pastor, helping people on the high street where sometimes people were alone. They felt unwanted, some had no money, and we'd buy them a drink and hot food. We prayed with many and really saw God move in our shift to the point that if there was a fight, you'd see it disperse in prayer. We saw things like a family hiding behind a bingo hall at 3 a.m. in the morning, a guy sleeping in the toilet at the top of Sutton with gangrene in his legs. We helped him by buying food to last a few days, but we also called Streetlink to help him. And they took him to a hub, gave him help, and when better, he went to a flat back in Sutton. Interestingly, when I first started street pastoring, you didn't see much poverty on the streets. But as I street pastored for 11 years, slowly you saw more and more homeless people come onto the streets in Sutton and more and more poverty in our town. Bringing it up to date, over the last two years within River Church, we've set up a homeless ministry group. To start with, we were going to London every six weeks and see what kind of poverty affects people. We saw guys who had no shoes, with socks, with holes in, shivering in the corner and hiding from the rain. We saw a lady, aged 19, sitting on the corner of embankment, all alone. A lady called Angela and a man called Tom, who we got to know quite well. We saw them every six weeks for two years. And they would sleep in cardboard boxes outside the mountain shops near Covent Garden. They tried to stay away from the trouble and the gangs that were on the streets. Some of the people we met on the Strand, they had jobs, but they had nowhere to sleep. They had no address, no home and no bed, and they couldn't rest before work the next day. Some people had a hostel room, but nothing else. No food, no gas, no electric, just a roof over their head. And the loneliness that we saw was sad. People who cut off their families or families who'd lost touch and they had nobody. Poverty is all around us. And yet we can play our part to reveal God's heart of compassion and practical love to those around us. Because of God's love, there is hope, which leads us to look. Let's look at what the Bible says about poverty. Poverty can be a huge thing, which at times looks scary. Scary for the people going through it, and scary for the people around us, who don't quite know what to do to help. But God offers us hope. 
If we look in the Bible right at the beginning of the Old Testament, we see people helping others by leaving room at the edges of the fields. In Leviticus chapter 23, we see a law come in over religious festivals. It covers the Jewish festival of Passover, harvest and the harvest festival. And in verse 22, we read, when you harvest your grain, always leave some of the standing round the edges of your fields and don't pick up what falls on the ground. Leave it for the poor and for those foreigners who live among you. I am the Lord your God. This law was called the Gleaning Law, and it was an Old Testament law which was based on agriculture and farming. Laws stated to leave an area around the edge of the field so people who had no food could go and pick the crops off the floor or the ground. And it was ability to grow more than what would feed your family so you could share with others around you. We see this law practically applied in the book of Ruth. We see her struggle, and in chapter 2, she sets out to glean and gather some crops to help feed her. That eventually leads her to meet both her future husband and great-grandfather of King David. Today, this law is much harder, and it's more of a principle put into practice. Around the world, you see people helping others, giving or sending food abroad, and helping in their local community. As I mentioned before, as a church, we've taken food to London every six weeks consistently for two years. We would take sandwiches, water, crisps, chocolates, and fruit. We also took clothes and toiletries. We've also been cooking meals for people at Sutton Night Watch. A meal of 15 to 20 people on a Friday and sometimes a Monday. The food is gratefully received by people and you can see in their eyes they are grateful. The children in superheroes of our church, aged five to seven, made some beautiful biscuits for the people of Sutton Night Watch and they were gratefully received too. The children in Ignite and the youth are both going to do some more at the beginning of July. I love cooking, and I love to cook for other people within the church. And a few years ago, I cooked for a lady who I used to work with. She had a son taken away from her. She had no money, and she had a drink problem. Yet when I offered to cook a meal for her, she expressed thankfulness for being so kind. It is simply that sense of thinking about others and not just ourselves. If we look at the Bible verse that spoke to me all those years ago, in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. At the very start of Jesus' ministry, he quoted this scripture himself in the synagogue. And he applied it to himself. He had been sent to set people free and to bring good news to the poor. I can, ima- I can only imagine the passion Jesus had when he said these words and how excited he may have felt because he was someone who wanted to 
spend time with people who needed help, people who in society were wronged and left out and they didn't feel part of the community. He wanted to come alongside others and help them. He was his father's messenger to the lost of that time and he showed others the way to help as well. I can also only imagine the excitement in Jesus' voice when the Holy Spirit enabled him to tell people about helping others and having a heart for the poor. And as Jesus said in Matthew 25, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. In Matthew 11, verse 3 to 4, Jesus says, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The Holy Spirit enabled Jesus to do his Father's work. He wanted to help people but he also wanted others to help. And in the Bible, on many pages, you can see something about God's spirit enabling others to help the poor. For us, as a homeless ministry team, we've experienced the Holy Spirit enabling us to go out on the strand and do God's work. We didn't know who we would meet. We didn't know we'd meet regular people, but we prayed and we let the Holy Spirit lead us. And we made some good relationships up on the strand. It's certainly exciting when you trust the Holy Spirit's leading. In the Bible, we also see stories of the feeding of the 5,000, where there was just a loaf and two fishes, where there wasn't enough bread, but Jesus gave thanks and filled 12 baskets of leftovers. And in Acts 4, 34, we see the early church modeling care for the poor and reaching out to others in acts of kindness. So much, in fact, that we are able to say there are no needy people among them. The early church was so countercultural that the city of Jerusalem took note. The Jews of Jerusalem would have known scriptures like Psalm 72, verse 4. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. And verse 12 to 13, for he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. Yet here they were actually seeing this take place. Proof of Jesus' compassion continuing through the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. We often think of the Holy Spirit producing boldness to witness one of the ways the early church witnessed was in the way they cared for the poor. In fact, several years later, around 300 AD, early historian Eusebius of Caesarea noted a huge famine and plague in the city of Caesarea. And, was, and it was the early church who stepped in. He quotes, Because of their compassion, in the midst of the plague, the Christian deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Caring for the poor is a wonderful witness. The gospel is good news for the poor. 
If you want to be more like Jesus, then serve others. So just to recap, we care for the poor because there is such need in the world. We care for the poor because it reflects God's heart. We care for the poor because it is a powerful witness of God in us. And we care for the poor because it also changes us, which takes us to our third point, listen. So we also need to take time to listen to where God is specifically calling us individually to serve. Everyone has something on their heart and everyone is given a passion by God. For me, it's homelessness and helping people reach where they want to be, to spend time with people and to know their worth. Even when I'm walking down the street and I see a guy on the floor who's homeless, I go to the shop and I buy a bottle of water or a cup of tea, depending on how cold it is, and always say hi. People are lonely on the streets, and sometimes they don't know where to turn. And I have such a heart to talk, I can't just walk past without saying hi. If you ask Nicola, there's been many a time when we've been out um, walking, and we've walked past someone who was homeless, and I've had to go back and say hello and go and buy them a cup of tea or a drink of water. It's happened many a time. Um, As a church... We've given out lots of sandwiches, water, chocolate, crisps, and fruit to people on the Strand. I organised it along with Abby Carter. But as a church, we did it together because you guys provided the food and the stuff that was needed. And we as a team took it up to London and handed it out. We prayed with people. We laughed with people. And we cried with people, too. We have also, as a church, in the car park, done a sleep out. We raised over a grand for Spear, a charity that helps people in the local community and the surrounding boroughs of Sutton. At the beginning of this year, things have moved more local for us as a team. And God has taken me on a bit of a learning journey over that time to discover other places, to look around our community and see what's actually going on. We've supported Sutton Night Watch by supplying food on a few Mondays and most Fridays. I've learnt a few coffee shops have done donate a drink for people who can't afford to buy a coffee or a tea. We've handed money over, we've given them £20 just to buy drinks for people in the community. There's a church at the bottom of Sutton who have donate toys, baby equipment and clothes to people who can't afford to buy things. We have food bank in the area. We have a a church currently looking for a house to help a refugee family. We've got street pastors who are out every weekend helping people who need help, be it whether they are drunk after a good night out or on their own in the high street. There's a lot of need in our community, need that as a church we could reach out to. Even just in our community, around our houses, our neighbours, we can help. For me, I would love to see a drop-in cafe set up in the coffee shop on an evening every couple of weeks with other charities involved and people being able to come in, have a hot drink, 
to sit and chill and have a nice hot meal. We could have other sectors there, like food bank, hostel help, sisters advice bureau to help with questions. We could have other churches involved. The community is hidden with so many needs. And it would be great to open up the community and look around to see what is actually around and what the needs are. There's mental health needs. There's families with needs. There's people with a house but nothing else. And people who just want to be with others for an evening. Personally, God has also been talking to me about going to Berlin. And through doing the academy, the course within the church, I've found a couple from New Frontiers who have set up a church there. They're planting a church. And after chatting to them, um, I really felt God wanted me to support them financially and prayerfully. But also, we have the chance to go over um, for a prayer day in October and to go round Berlin with them and to embrace the city's poor and just see how we can help them as a church. What passions and burdens has God put on your heart? It could be something that you have felt for a long time, but haven't taken full note of it. It's kind of just sat quietly in the background because life does get busy. Sometimes it can be so overwhelmed by the need, we can feel, what could I do? Yet each one of us has good works already prepared for us by God, as it says in Ephesians 2, verse 10. The challenge is to walk in that calling. And as we do so, not only will our communities be changed, but so will we. If people would like prayer today, we could pray for people's buried dreams and passions. Sometimes, if you can't practically do something, you can support something in prayer, which is also very important. Maybe you have a heart for the poor, or refugees, or young people, or helping people who are victims of trafficking, or families, or prisoners. Let's pray that God will fan this in passion into flame. Amen.